good. Well, we're so glad that you guys are here today. My name is Terry Pierce. I had the wonderful privilege of like a really long time of being uh, uh, here as the lead pastor at Connect Church. And we are so pumped about being this series. Uh, we do something really crazy and hip here. We just preach the Bible. Uh, and we go verse by verse through the Holy Scriptures. And that's just who we are. And so we are in the Gospel of Luke. We've been there for about 10 years. Uh, no, it's just actually a year and a half. But anyway, uh, and we're on a journey helping you unpack that God has a plan for your life. Last Sunday, we shared with you the message that God has created you for a purpose, and today, we're going to give you one piece of that plan that God has for you this morning. So as we kick that off, I want you to know uh, that I'm going back to some of my high school days. Uh, I love history. So I'm that weird dude that uh, loves to study history, and one of my favorite studies is, uh, have you ever heard that thing called the Declaration of Independence? Okay, it's a pretty important document. You guys paying attention here of our high school students on the front row this morning. And uh, I hope that you guys love, do they still have civics class in high school? I don't know. Uh, they, we had it back in our day. We call it, I don't know what they call it today. But I love civics class. Uh, Belen, my wife, we were in high school sweethearts. She did not. She slept through civics class and Shelley, she still got a better grade than I did. But anyway, uh, but I loved it. And so the main purpose of the Declaration of Independence was to explain to all the foreign nations why the 13 colonies were choosing to separate themselves from Great Britain. The Revolutionary War, you may not know this, the Revolutionary War had already begun. We were already in battles uh, with, the, uh, with the Great Britain troops, and as the battle takes place, the battles are taking place on June the 7th, 1776, in Assembly Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Richard Henry Lee stands up in Congress, and for the first and probably only time in American history, he makes a declaration and a motion for us to succeed from the power of the England on us. And the entire Congress unanimously agreed with him. Wow, I'd like to go back to that day. And anyway, and so at that point, they articulated to a Thomas Jefferson to begin to write a formal, in writing, Declaration of Independence. Now, an interesting factoid of the DI. That's what us history cool buffs call the Declaration. All right. So the, the DI, and so an interesting factoid about it is that, uh, or if you want to know how to say the Declaration of Independence, the DI, in Spanish, uh, so uh, it's the Declaración de Independencia. So I made a commitment as a goal for 23 in our staff retreat this week that I wanted to learn Spanish. So guess what for, you got to look forward to this year. Anyway, all right. Uh, so Mark Garrett, our uh, school teacher that teaches Spanish at seventh grade in Tupelo, just walked out of the building. Anyway, uh, so here we are. He taught me before. Uh, it's all on you, big boy. All right, so here's one of my goals. Uh, I mean, here's what I want to share with you guys about uh, Thomas Jefferson. We like to call him TJ. So TJ is accepted as the Offer, uh, the, uh, is accepted widely as the author of the DI. And so, um, and, and you know, the Declaration of Independence comes out and we publish it on July 4th. You all know that story. A few of you all from Mississippi going, dang, 
They put that out on July 4th. That's the same day that I get a free holiday from work. Uh, yeah, so anyway, you'll get that later. Uh, so anyway, so uh, we've got uh, the Declaration of Independence. We all get that on July 4th. But what you may not re- realize or remember is that uh, what happened before that is he presents a rough, dr- or he presents his first edition of this. He takes it to Congress in the middle of June, and Congress looks at it, and they rip it to shreds. I mean, they give him what for. He gets so ticked off. That TJ says, fine, write it, you're flipping self. And Benjamin Franklin, being the consummate personality who could talk his way out of anything, Benjamin Franklin, for real, goes to TJ and says, listen, dude, they're just trying to be constructive. You're the man. you got to do this. And so he comes back and he writes the entire Declaration of Independence. And as they say, the rest is history. All of that was said to let you know this morning, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is going to make an even more profound declaration. Jesus is going to say to the crowd that is gathered around him in Luke 11, he's going to declare, you're either on my side or you're on Satan's side. You're either with me or you're with the devil. The Pharisees, the religious people, are going to lose their mind. They're literally going to accuse him Get this, you're going to find out more about this later on. They're going to accuse him of being Satan. And uh, I'm just telling you, can you imagine, just because you speak truth into people's lives, that they begin to slander you and, and just rip you up? Can, you know, aren't you so glad that Republicans and Democrats don't do that? Anyway, uh, so, so this whole thing, nothing's changed. 2,000 years, you don't like what somebody else is saying, you just slander their name because, you know, we don't have intelligent arguments anymore. We just have, so, so this is what's going down, just like it is today. Nothing's changed. And so Jesus is demanding independence from Satan's team. He's telling them, I need you to decide today whose side are you going to be on. But here's the really cool part, and don't miss this. Jesus doesn't leave it up to you and me to just fight the devil on our own and choose which side we're going to be on. This is, this is money. He says, I want to be there to help you make the right decision. And he simply gives us a declaration of how to do that, and it's called the Declaration of Dependence. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. He says the way that you choose this is not just on you. I'm going to come alongside of you and help you make the right decision. Luke 14, we're going to unpack what that Declaration of Dependence really means for us out of the text today. What most people look at when they think about the devil, and this is how he really loves for you all to land. Most of us do not, especially in the Baptist church, do not really fully grasp, and I think our culture and society as a whole does not understand that we're in spiritual warfare. When I preach on stuff like this, man, a lot of you are going to check out because you don't want to hear this. But we've grown up between Hollywood and your video games, and all of you want to think about is that, you know, I don't want to know the real ugly devil is around, uh, that he's trying to mess up my life and all this stuff. So we look at the devil as just being this little, you know, ugly, whatever, Halloween thing that we do, this mystical, it's a mirage, it's just this, you know, sort of legendary thing, and we downplay the impact of Satan in our lives, and he's got us right where he wants us. You need to understand this morning 
the truth that we shared with you last week, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family and your future. But God has created you for a better way. Dr. Donald Barnhouse, old school preacher commentary, he, uh, a commentator, he says this about this text. It's an invisible war, and he's dead on. He says this invisible war that's going on around us, and so God, and so let me explain to you how we get there, and this is why that we want to teach this to you guys, because I'm telling you, this is where the devil's getting a hold of you all and messing you up in your marriages and raising your kids. That's why you're always constantly looking to, for something else to make you happy, because you don't recognize the war zone you're in. You're constantly frustrated because you're not even seeing the enemy. And the enemy is not me, the enemy is not your spouse, and it's not the church. The devil wants to destroy you all. He wants to make you miserable and unhappy, and some of you all are playing right into his diabolical game, and you're not even getting it. Here's how it got there. I mean, here's how we got here. In Genesis, God creates planet Earth, and it's perfect, and it's incredible. And by the way, in Revelation, last chapter, we're not going to that. He's going to recreate a perfect planet, a new heaven and a new earth, and it's not going to have sin and it's not going to have the devil. And so I'm telling you, it's coming. But before we get there, we're stuck left in the battle. Y'all with me this morning? We've got to get that down. I, I got news for you. If you're looking for heaven on earth, you're on the wrong planet and you're in the wrong life. It's not going to happen. So we're in this battle. So here's what, how we got here. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in the garden. And they decide, God, you created all this. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Man, we got a great income. We got everything. Is, you know, the animals bow down to us. This is so cool. We got it now. You just back off and leave us alone, and we're going to do our own thing. And Satan said, let me, let, you know, let me show you even greater power. And they go, oh, yeah, we want more power. And so they rebelled against the holy God that had given them. Can you imagine somebody being so stupid that when God's blessed them with health and a good job, and a good family that they stick their nose up and walk away from God and do it your way. Can you imagine people being so stupid? You see, that sin curse is in every one of us. Every one of us has said the exact same thing. So before we just say, Adam and Eve, look what mess you created, so are you and I. We're the same ones that have done this. So this sin chaos and craziness is going on around us and the selfishness and the diseases and the disasters and the death. Be preaching a funeral today. God never intended for any preacher to ever preach a funeral. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be doing it today because good people, church people, and everybody else on this planet are going to have the effects of the sin that all of us have created. So we got to quit blaming God for this stuff and understand the devil wants to get you discouraged and he wants you to miss the whole point. And so what Jesus declares, I am the divine authority over the kingdom of darkness. And today he's going to declare for you and I how to win this battle. So the question is going to be, are you going to choose and listen to his declaration of dependence upon him? Or are you going to choose to continue to follow the other side? Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, I want to share with you how to be on the winning side, how that God wants to help us overcome this battle. But this is a lengthy text today, and I don't want you to go to sleep because uh, some of you are struggling here this morning. Uh, anyway, and so um, uh, you, you're like Tanner. You stayed up wait, uh, watching Arkansas lose. So here we go. All right, Luke chapter 11, verse 14. 
Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebul and the prince of demons. And while others to test him kept seeking from, a, from him a sign from heaven. We're going to get those guys. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will the kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I uh, cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do, you, do your sons cast them out? Ouch. That was very sarcastic. Drop the mic, okay? Uh, Therefore, they will be your judges. They weren't happy about that. Uh, But if by the finger of God, and you want to underline that phrase in your Bible or highlight it on your Bible app, because we're going to come back to that, and it's going to be good, that I cast out the demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace and his goods are safe, but when one stronger than him attacks him and he overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he is entrusted, and he divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me, is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And when the unclean spirit is gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house which I came, and when it is comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then he goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and he entered and dwelled there, and the state of that person is worse than the first. That sounds crazy. We're going to explain what that means, and then we get to a really cool part that we're going to end the service with. It's so good. And these things he said, and the woman who obviously wasn't Baptist, raised her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the woman that bore you and the breast at which you were nursed. But he said, ready? Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Wow, that's good stuff. You may be seated. At the most dramatic moment in the movie The Shooter, I'm not a big movie uh, buff. I couldn't say this word in the first service either, but I'm not a big movie fan uh, as much as what like Bobby Nanny is. He can quote everything to you about him. But in the movie, The Shooter, uh, it's a good one. And so this retired military, you know, shooting specialist, uh, y'all know the story, comes up and he's on top of the mountain at the most critical part of the movie. And this corrupt, you know, evil uh, uh, senator from Montana, he looks at... Uh, the military specialist shooter, and he says to him, Gunny, are you on the inside? Are you on the out? And Jesus is saying to you and I today, are you on the inside? Are you going to depend on me? Are you on the out? Uh, Are you going with the devil and the enemy? And that's really exactly what happens in the text today. Jesus is saying, I want you to depend upon me. Let's choose the right way. And really, uh, what theologians would say about this text in the right is this text boils down to one issue, and this is the same issue in your life here this morning. Those of you listening online, what authority does Jesus have in your life? The question of this text is they're going to question Jesus' authority to tell us what to do. And now there's two groups of people that are in the Pharisee crowd in John chapter 11. The first group is what we want to identify. and Get your notes out. You want to take this down. This is good. And we're going to discuss it tonight in small groups, is the slanderers. Now the slanderers assign his work basically to Beelzebub, and I'll explain what that means, to Satan. Now, let me unpack the word Beelzebul, uh, and so let's take the first word, uh, Beel. Now, that comes as a name uh, from the Old Testament pagan god, Baal. 
And what it means in the original Hebrew is Lord. So here's what you want to understand about this term that they're using. They're calling him Lord, but then they add this phrase, Zebub. Anybody know what Zebub means? You just, okay. Anyway, uh, and so, uh, okay, would you just call me? Uh, and so Zebub, that's what you're, uh, you, know, you don't want to name your kid Zebub, because you know what Zebub means? Anybody know? It means flies. Yeah, I'm talking about not fly like airplane. I'm talking about the critter, okay? The, uh, so I'm talking about the little bug, a fly. And so he's saying, so now get this, in, in your, get this down because this is an unbelievable moment. I want to step back even saying this. This is so just, ugh, I mean, I, I don't, this is crazy, Miss Marie. The Pharisees, the religious community was so nuts. They look into the son of the living God and basically what they just called him, you are Lord of the flies. If I'm Jesus, I bring down the rain. Boom, take them out. I mean, I'm like, I, I, I mean, I'm just wiping these people off. This is God the Father, his son he sent to redeem these people. And you slander my son's name by calling him Lord of the flies? Kill them. I'm just telling you, that's where I'm at if I'm God. But aren't you thankful that God puts up with our stupid stuff too? And so he doesn't take them out, and that's what happens with slanders. And by the way, uh, I want you to know this morning, you realize that nothing's changed in our culture and society. If we don't agree with someone, what do we do? If we can't have a good intelligent discussion anymore, apparently you can't do that in politics. Apparently you can't do that with your family and your neighbors. Apparently the only way you can do watch your nightly news is we're going to slander and call everybody names. Because when we have no truth to stand on, that's all we know to do with one another. And so that's what they do. Now look at me this morning. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you're mad and you hate church people, you really hate preachers that yell. And you're not a big fan because, you know, and I heard it, somebody was talking to me in, the, in, in between services today. They said, yeah, I said, man, what you preached on this morning, uh, that's exactly what, you know, my family members think, is that they say, we're not coming to church with you because I hate preachers. They, they sin just like everybody else. Well, duh. Nobody, and, and any preacher that claims, that, and you, it was so stupid to put preachers on pedestals to begin with. Why in the flip did we do that? Because we like to Americanize the gospel, and it's just so wrong. Let me explain something to you. I am a sinner saved by the marvelous grace. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would be messed up, screwed up. I would be on my way to hell just like you. The only difference between me and you is, is Jesus redeemed me, and he saved me, and he cleaned me up. And for whatever reason, he said, if I can use you, I can show anybody how to get saved. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, that's why I'm here today. It's because of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying that what we do is we slander people. And I want you to know, if you're a critic and you're a slander, we had this happen to us this past week, you're welcome here at Connect Church. If you're questioning everything, you're, uh, maybe you're an old school person that's been hurt by church and stuff, welcome to Connect Church. Have a cup of coffee. Well, I don't drink coffee, but let's go out and you buy me lunch. And, uh, and let's sit down and talk, uh, and uh, we want to answer your questions. You are welcome here. 
We had this past week. If you're Gen Zs and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and Gen Xs and you're like, man, you know, uh, this, we just don't understand. We hate church people talking bad about, you know, our generation and all this stuff. We welcome your questions here at Connect Church. I'm not going to get up here and try to get a rah-rah crowd and tell everybody what they want to hear. What we want you to know is I spend my weeks and my time and my hours studying the Bible so that I can answer your questions. The reason I preach so much differently today than I used to is because it used to, everybody understood that this was what it was about, and they're like, yeah, go tell them. But today, everybody questions everything. We call this apologetic preaching, where I'm explaining to you what the text says because I want you to know the why God does what he does so you put your faith in him. He created you. And so we're explaining to you, defining for you what Scripture is really saying. So here's what happened to us uh, last past week. This is why we fasted and prayed about Tailgate Sunday and the staff retreat. Because we know that when you start getting and depending upon Jesus, Satan's going to come after you. Are you getting that? When you start leaning into him, what well, we've been telling you for years, you just come to our church and you tithe a little bit, and man, everything's going to go great in your life. No! No wonder you're so miserable in your marriages and your families and stuff because you keep thinking, well, I just went and did my little church thing. It's all. No, no, no. The enemy doesn't want you depending on Jesus. He loves it when you're full of yourself. So the slander, so the, this guy comes on the social media last week, and, uh, you know, we ran ads about Tailgate Sunday and, you know, all that. God was moving. And so this dude comes on, and he just lights us up. And he's like, man, don't go to Connect Church. I mean, he's tearing us up. And he's like, man, the, you know, that preacher, he's, you know, in that church, they, they don't like LBGT people. And they, you know, they're, you know, if you're struggling with your gender identity, you know, you know their, their version of Christianity is going to tell you, you know, like you have your own versions. Uh, it's called this. But anyway, and, and, so, uh, and so he's just, you know, ripping us to shreds on social media. And, you know, I'm reading, normally I never respond to that stuff. But man, the Holy Spirit just, you know, just said, I want you to go get this one. And so, I mean, he's just telling us, I mean, he's just, everything you could think about, he's just ripping us to shreds. And so I go on there, and Brittany, I just tell him, I said, uh, thank you so much for your commentary about Connect Church. And how about let's do this? You come to Tailgate Sunday. I'm going to be preaching, Miss Sharon, on the reason God created you. And you listen to the sermon and what I have to say. Then I'll meet with you after service. And let's just talk about it, and I'll answer your questions. And what happened was about three minutes later, that entire post, including my comment, disappeared. I don't know if he came last Sunday. Hope he's here today. But what I'm trying to tell you is we're not angry or frustrated with your questions. We're here to answer them, and we're here to do it not as an old school, just, you know, rah, rah. We're here to say, let's dig down. Let's answer your questions, and if you're a slanderer, you're wanting to call the names, we're not going to go back with you. We're just going to say, let's help you figure this thing out, that God really did create you for a reason and purpose, and you're made in his image, and you don't need to find it in anything else. Can I get an amen, church? It's what we believe. 
that God says. The second group, I think, is more problematic for most of us, though. The second group is the skeptics that was in that crowd, and they're asking for a sign. And so they're like, Jesus, you know, we're not like the first group that's mean. That was harsh to call you Lord of the Flies. What we want, and, and you read it in the text, they said, give us another sign. We're just not, and I think this is what happens in the South in most of our culture, is that I just need to, you know, I hear you all this stuff that you're doing, and, and you know, and I hear about Connect Church, and, and I hear about people making decisions, and, and how when a church in America is going south, that God's blessing, but you know what, that preacher, I just, you know, he's so weird, he's been there 20 years, and I know his kids, they went to Morville, and they were jacked up, and, and you know, and him and Miss Belin, you know, they got their own thing, problems, and so this whole thing, and so we sit around, and we're skeptical that this is really happening, and, and so what we do is you all feel better about yourself and your messed up life by being critical of others in the church and leadership in the church, and so your skepticism helps you feel better about you not depending upon Jesus in your own personal life. You getting it? I'm telling you, this is where it gets to, and this is where the devil plays games with you and lowers the boom on you. And so where skepticism keeps us from diving in to where God wants us to be, show me another sign. D don't you know that there was sitting around there, there was some of folks just like you, you know, if you're really God and you claim to have all this stuff that God's doing at Connect Church and getting your life, Jesus, then how about you just, you know, part something, you know. We know about the Red Sea, we're Jews. Uh, how about, you know, all we got is a creek here. We just got a creek, all right, southern version. And so, you know, we just got a little bit of water. Maybe they just had a glass of water, part the water in the water, you know, in the glass. Whatever it was, you know, just give us another sign because how many of you are waiting for God to give you the special sign, another sign, another sign? God's telling you, listen to the bald head guy. Jesus is the only way. Your only hope is in Jesus what else do you need to hear? That's, the, that's your sign. I'm just telling you, here's your sign. Get it. It's coming from God. And so he's saying, and don't you know there was this Baptist, backslidden Baptist that was sitting there. Yeah, I want another miracle. Remember when you, you know, he's a little tipsy and he's like, remember when you turn that water into wine? How about do that again? <laughs> anyway, and so, you know, they're just looking, sorry, uh, that's not in my nose. But anyway, uh, so you, you got this whole thing down, they're looking for a sign. Let me, let me give you, I don't think you guys are getting this, so let me illustrate to you, and, and then we'll hit, finish this point out. They want, you want a sign, so I, I'm skeptical, show me something else. Farmer Dale and Farmer Pete lived next to each other. They were two old country boy farmers. And old Farmer Pete and Farmer Dale, they just had the next door properties to one another. And so they always had competitions. Let's see what cow's the best, what pig's the best. You know, they went to all the uh, FH con competitions. And, and so they were competing against one another for everything. But old Farmer Dale, Mike, he lost everything. Every time they compared chickens, eggs, whatever it was, uh, you know, cow patties, whatever it was. Oh, Farmer Dale, he uh, <laughs> tiptoe through the tulips. He, uh, he, uh, <laughs> that's not in my notes either. Anyway, uh, he's just losing everything that's going on in the competition. Ouch. Uh, I know my wife's going to talk to me about that one. But anyway, uh, and, so they're, uh, and uh, so they're in this competition. Farmer Dale loses to P Farmer Pete all the time. So Farmer Dale comes up with a plan. He says, here's what we're going to do. He goes, you know, we both got horses. You get your best horse. I'm going to get my best horse, and we're going to race him. And, uh, and so Farmer Dale decides to cheat. And old Pete shows up with his 
horse and Farmer Dale goes out and gets him a professional jockey. And so he brings the professional jockey in, doesn't tell him, and he puts him on his horse, and sure enough, boom, they're off to the races. Farmer Pete's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, Farmer Dale, like, I'm going to beat old Pete this time. And so they come around, they're on the last leg. They're at the final leg of the race, and they can see the finish line in front of them, and guess what happens next? Oh, uh, those two horses tangle up, their feet get caught up, they go down, both horses crash, both jockeys come flying off, and, uh, but the professional jockey gets back up on the horse and rides it into victory. And old Pete comes, you know, and he's just uh, trussling up there. That's what you do when you're farmers. Anyway, and so uh, he comes up there, and he says, to, uh, he says to Farmer Dale, well, I reckon you finally beat me. You finally, you finally got me. And old Farmer Dale, he said, but why are you crying? And old Farmer Dale's just in tears. He's mad, and he's saying stuff he shouldn't say. And Pete goes, what's wrong? You won. And he goes, no, I didn't. And he goes, you remember when the horses fell down? Pete's like, yeah, yeah, I saw all that, but your guy got up and he won. Look, he got up on your horse, <laughs> and then he won. And, and so the truth of the matter is, is that what, what would it be like? Can you imagine now that this, in that sort of represents some of our lives, uh, experiences, how, how tragic it's going to be in all seriousness this morning? I want you to get this. Your skepticism of me, church, and how everybody else is wrong but you, because you know how some of you all are. You're, you're smarter than everybody else. I, I'm not going to get too serious about Connect Church because you're smarter than all of us. How's it going to be? Look at me. When you stand before a holy God one day, and you've ridden your horse, you did it your way, and God Almighty looks at you, and you say, I'm, I'm ready to go into heaven because I was a good person. I served my community, I was a good husband, took care of my kids, I fed them, I was a good wife, I took care of my husband and my, my kids, and you stand before a holy God, I went to church a couple times a month, threw in a 10 buck here and there, whatever, I, I, you know, I'm ready to go to heaven because I'm, I'm, you know, that's who I am. And God Almighty says, I'm sending you to an everlasting hell. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, I'm t you don't understand who I am. You, you, you got the wrong card here. And God's going to look at you. The only way you get into heaven, I told you back in the book, I told you what my word says, that the only way you get to heaven is by my son, Jesus Christ. You obey him, you follow him, and you depend upon him. There ain't nothing else. Church membership, being good, you're riding the wrong horse. You're going to ride your wrong horse and yourself all the way into that confrontation with God Almighty one day. And you're going to go, I lost, I lost, because I put my hope in me rather than Jesus. Skepticism will destroy you and damn your soul to an everlasting hell. I'm telling you, it's real. And so Jesus, would you like to know a better way? Wow, I just lost the crowd. Look at me. I'm not here to build a big church. With all due respect, I'm not looking. I know there's going to be a lot of you who will never set foot back and listen to me again, but I would rather you at least one time heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ before you go to stand before him. If you don't get this, it ain't on me. Because my job is to tell you what Jesus said. And here's what Jesus says. Are you ready? He answers their criticism, their skepticism, and their slander. Verse 17, but he knowing their thoughts said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. 
a divided household fails. He presents the argument. This is why I preach apologetic, defending and explaining the truth of God. Because here's what he says. He says, if your logic is true, your slander and your skepticism is true, then I'm of the devil. I'm the one that's wrong. Your own preachers cast out demons. And I'm telling you, why would you do this? Because if I'm doing the evil thing, why would I do that to destroy my own kingdom? So your whole logic is stupid. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. So then let me offer you what I am about. Now notice what he says. And this is money. This is what we're trying to get to. I promise it's going to get better. Here's what he says in verse 20. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you today. You are standing in the presence of God. Now here's the question you got to ask. This is what we teach you guys. Ask questions. Questions are not wrong. We're not scared of that here at our church. We welcome you guys. What does that phrase mean for if it is by the finger of God that I do these things? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, honestly, I never have unpacked this verse before. To the, I, I missed that all these years. What does that mean? Mark Burt, you listen to you know, Chandler and all these guys. What does that verse mean? Yeah, I knew it. He don't know. You know, what did Jonathan, your dad was a deacon, you've been in church all your life, I watched you grow up here, what does it mean? Yeah, I knew you didn't know. Ah, uh, so, you're sleeping through church. Anyway, uh, so the whole thing, he's talking about, <laughs> that's not in my notes either, but that's funny, that's funny right there. So, so what does it mean, that he, what's he talking about, the finger of God? That's a great question to ask. Two amazing facts about this phrase, I love this verse. Here's what the first one is. In Exodus eight nineteen, when Moses has struck the, uh, the Pharaoh in, in Egypt with the plagues. You remember the story? Watch the movie. All right, and so uh, they've got the whole thing going down. One of the first plagues is gnats. And this is all for those of you that have ever lived in Georgia. Right, and so they got gnats everywhere. And so they, they hate, uh, you know, these gnats. They're just, you know, in their food and all this stuff. And so Pharaoh gets ticked off. And he says to all of his magicians and to all of his witch doctors and all that stuff, he says, hey, I, you know, man, Moses has just did this thing to us. I need you to recreate this and kill the gnats. And they do everything. They pull out all their books and they do all their trickery. And man, it ain't, it ain't kill, it ain't, they ain't even killed one gnat. And it's so cool in Exodus 8, 8, 19 is that his magicians and his evil witch doctors, they all look at Pharaoh and they go, we can't touch this because what Moses did is from the finger of God. His authority. We can't touch God's authority and that money. And so then there's another place in Scripture, and you guys know this one a lot better, that this phrase comes into is in Exodus 31, 18. And God finished writing the Ten Commandments on a mountain, mountain with stone tablets. Remember the end of the movie in Charlton Heston? Right, and so I read the Scripture. So in Exodus 31, 18, the Bible says that the tablets were inscribed by the finger of of God. Isn't that good? Uh, and so we see that that's where that phrase comes from. So in Scripture, when you see this phrase, it's representing God's redemptive renewal power that he's simply coming to save us. So here's what you take away. Take a picture of this in your notes today. Jesus declares to his slanderers and his skeptics, I cast out demons as a result of a direct power and action from my Father. So the question is, which horse are you going to ride into eternity and stand before a holy God? Are you going to do it your way because you're smarter than all of us? 
are you going to depend upon God? Depend upon Jesus. The declaration of dependence is you need me to redeem you and to save you. What I'm doing, it's God the Father's plan. He didn't ask for your opinion. He didn't ask for my opinion. It's just his way. And he's reminding the crowd that the devil, and, he's, and, and he said this is how we overcome him. And then he makes one more hit about the skeptics, all right, that those that are just critical. Notice what he says in verse 25. And when he comes, he finds the house swept and put in order. Then he goes back, and he says after they clean it up, what happens? Seven more evil spirits, those of you that, well, we don't like to talk about the devil, they come back in, and it's way worse in their house than it was before. What does that mean? I think it's very obvious in the context of this passage. Jesus knew our hearts and our mentalities. We talked about this in our discipleship group meeting Friday. Tony was sharing with the other guys. So we fin- I just finished up my eighth year of uh, discipling, you know, these guys and, and uh, a whole new group. And anyway, and Tony shared, he said, you know, when I came back to, to Connect Church, he said, we've been up in Memphis, but he said, I, I looked at people and he said, I just saw some guys in the church that he said, I want what they have. I want to really be invested and lean upon Jesus like what they have. And he said, I didn't, all these years, Tony's my age, he said, I don't know how they get it. And then he said, I come to Connect Church and I realize it's discipleship. It's dependence fully on Jesus. And that's what he's arguing here. And he's saying in this text that he said, if you try to clean up your own life, now get this real quickly. When you try to clean up your own mess and you try to do the right thing, any of you, how many of us have done this? Oh my gosh, how many times have I failed at this? God, I'm going to get this thing right. I'm going to get this sin out of my life. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to start doing better. How many of us say, I'm going to start doing better. I'm going to go to church three times a month. Dude, I'm killing it. Uh, you know, I'm going to start uh, doing this. I'm going to do better. And how many times do you all intend to do well? Look at me. And the devil comes back and he lowers you out maybe an hour later, maybe a week later, maybe a month later. But man, he just makes it worse than it ever was before. And why? Listen to me. Because you can never win the battle against the devil on your own. You can't clean it up. We used to tell people back in the day, you need to clean yourself up and go to church. That was so stupid. Nobody can clean themselves up. You come to church as you are, and Jesus cleans you up. That's a whole different way of looking at it. Because if you try to do it yourself, seven more demons are going to come back, and they're going to screw up your life, and it's going to be way worse. How about you quit fighting the devil and learn to depend upon Jesus? Does that make sense? That's the only way we get the victory over him. And so that is so cool and so good. So now, here's how we land. I got just like two minutes, so we're going to do this fast. And I've got five thoughts. All right, ready? Write them down real quickly. Five ways for you to declare your dependence upon God. Let's see how to do this. Pastor J.D. Greerchuk, he shared these thoughts with us. This is money. And uh, so anyway, here, uh, and I, what, when we say we borrow stuff, that means preacher versions that we steal them. All right, so here's, here's the thoughts. Number one, uh, how do we learn to depend upon God? It's humble confession. The opposite of confession is hiding your faults and, and telling yourself that, and trying to maintain an illusion. I don't want anybody at the church to know the real me, so I got to put on a nice dress and suit and I got to look good and you understand this morning that Jesus cannot heal you 
until you allow your sins to be brought to light. I want you to write that down. That is so good. God can only heal your sin when you bring it into the light. Look at me. How many of you got hidden stuff that you know is constantly dragging you down? Folks, sin hidden away. Nobody, you don't want the preacher to know, don't want anybody to know. Have you ever had mildew in your house? Mildew in your car, whatever. You ladies know, the only way you get rid of mildew is expose it to the light. Only the light will cleanse and take away the sin. And I'm telling you this morning, number two, total surrender. In contrast to a negotiated settlement, I don't know how many people over the years in my ministry have come up to me and said this phrase, what I have to do to be considered a good Christian. What do I have to do to be a good church member? You total, unabashedly surrender and depend upon God. We've literally had people that their kids got on fire for Jesus. They were contemplating going into ministry and their mom and dad took him out of the church because they did not want them to be that close to Jesus. Total surrender. He wants your heart. He wants obedience. <laughs> but this is your logic and mine. How do we do this? It's so stupid and ridiculous. Did you hear about the lady in Pennsylvania? Uh, she could be some of us Baptist folks. The lady in Pennsylvania... Um, found a little cub in the woods, bear cub, and she named it Teddy. And so she takes home this cute baby bear cub, names it Teddy, because that's cute, you know how you all lady folks do that stuff. And so she just keeps Teddy. A true story, by the way. Nine years, Teddy lives with her in her house. It's actual happened. Nine years, Teddy grows up and becomes a full-fledged bear. And then nine years later, she's cleaning out his cage one day. They're in her house in Pennsylvania, and Teddy eats her. He mauls her to death and kills her. Now, the funny part of that story, <laughs> I know you're going, well, yeah, that one tank. Uh, but I'm telling you, that here's the funny part of that story, and it really is. The news media goes to the neighbors, and they ask, how do you feel about this? And here's what they said. And again, these people vote among us. These neighbors said, and I swear they go to church, they said, dadgummit, we're just shocked at this. She was such a nice woman, and all she ever did was love and take care of Teddy. <laughs> Teddy is a bear. Bears have one goal in life. They eat people. That's what they live for. That's what they do. When I walk back and they had food back there, I've got one goal in my life. I eat. That's my mission. Bears eat people. Why in the world do you all think that you can continue to hang out with the devil, 
live with his crowd, do things your way, continue to hang on to your pet sins, and don't think they're not going to come back and eat you. It's not rocket science. Jesus is saying it's unabashedly total surrender. Sin does, this is profound, I wrote this myself. You ready, Neil? Sin does what sin does. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's deep. But it's so good. Sin does what sin does. It destroys us. Number three, almost done. Reassurance in the gospel. The Holy Spirit breaks sin's hold on us by reminding us of the full acceptance relationship that we have with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that I talk about all the time. You, you guys hear me, it, it, we, I yell at you guys every week, so why we got a Hear Journal reading plan out on the guest services desk. We believe here at Connect Church, it's all about discipleship. Get you guys into the Word. We're talking about the Word tonight. Uh, 300 of you will meet in small groups tonight. We're gonna talk about the Word of this sermon, and then in, in, in your personal daily times, walk through, we're all reading through the Bible together. The Hear Journals, because why? We want you to be reminded every day, small groups, discipleship, in your own personal quiet time, that Jesus has authority over the devil, the devil, the hell, and everything else that you're going through. Every day, you need to be reminded there's only one person that is for you. There's only one person that loves you unconditionally. His name is Jesus. Send the devil daily back to hell where he came from, and the gospel reassures you of that truth, because he's trying to rob you of that victory every single day. And so this is why you do your hear journals and yell, and we do this, because then in your hear journals at church, when Alan sings that song, and he gets to that note, did you hear when he got it? See, one day, y'all know I can't sing a lick, can't hit it, don't like, you know, can't do it, whatever, but I love it. But one day, I'm telling you, when he hit that note, where he just, you know, he gets down. You all watch Alan when he does, you know, he gets down right here, you know, and he's hitting that note. And uh, man, I'm all over that because that's where we want you guys to live at. We want you to get to that note when you realize I've been in chains, I've been in bondage, and I've been a slave, and that's all of us and every one of us. But Jesus has set me free. And that's what the scriptures remind you of every single day. You're no longer controlled by the devil. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you, look at the text real quickly, and let me give you this because this is money. And he said these things, and a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said unto him, and she began to just praise God. She was not like you guys. She was not Baptist. She had a little charismatic bloodline somewhere along the way. And when she realized that while she's a woman, the Pharisees could and stand her. She was a woman. She was probably a sinful woman. They're looking down on her. They're judging her. They're critical of her. But she met a man one day who didn't look at her like everybody else did. She met a man one day who was saying stuff that she said, that's what I want. And she said, blessed is the woman who has given birth to you because you have brought me hope. We needed to be more spontaneous like that woman and begin to praise and brag on Jesus, the reassurance of how much the Father loves you. And by the way, for my Catholic friends here this morning or watching online, notice at this point Jesus doesn't solidify a Catholic church teaching that Mary and praying to Mary and three Hail Marys or seven Hail Marys. He doesn't say honor Mary at all. Wonder why. Maybe it's not in the Bible. Notice what he does say, you honor. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God 
and keep it. I'm telling you, this is what we need to know, the reassurance of the Father. Memorize specific scripture. Write it down in your notes on your iPad, your phones. Uh, guys, when God, and it's not about how much of the Bible you know. The Bible, we've worshipped and made the idol out of a Bible. What we tell you every Sunday, it's the God of the Bible. A personal relationship. Memorize the stories of the Bible who remind you of Jesus. Put those in your phone. I do this. I've got this place in, the, in my notes in my phone. And when I read a passage in my hear journals that speak to me, I put them in there so I can go back to them. And then finally, pursue wisdom and not just to avoid sin. I mean, pursue wisdom, not just avoid sin. In other words, quit has, asking the question, how close can I get to the line and still get into heaven? But instead, ask the question, what is the wisest thing that I can do? What does the Holy Spirit want to do in my life? Because I'm telling you, when you do it and depend upon Jesus, he is wanting to help you change your heart. Here's our final takeaway statement this morning. We don't just depend upon God. The Spirit of God is not trying to merely curb your behavior. We've tried to do this far too long in the church. But the declaration of dependence is because he's trying to change your heart. He's not trying to fix your behavior. He's trying to give you a new heart. That's so good. Would you stand with me? If you're here this morning, and today you're tired of trying to clean up your own house. You've failed so many times. Maybe you're here today and you've been skeptical. Maybe you've even slandered the church and God. Listen, we don't care. You're forgiven. We love you. We're not here to mock you or make fun of your beliefs, but we're here to tell you there's only one way to heaven. There's a God who designed you and created you in his image, and it's his way. It's His way, not mine, not church, not Connect Church. It's His way. And Jesus declares, if you'll depend upon me, I will show you my Father's way. If you're ready to start following the Father's way, would you come as we sing? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.